0: This is Oh Yeah, That's Great, and today it's Bill and Cody's High School Reunion. We're talking about stuff we listen to in high school. That's right, boy. So I, I guess this is... Um, not music that was only from or 1989 to 1994, no. but what we listened to for the years we were in high school. What was, what was happening while happening? Right, we were in... what was being played in the car. Yep. And uh, I set myself a couple rules. Oh, I should, uh, I should probably say that people can follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah, they can. At OITGpod. Yep. And they can also email us. Are we on Blue Sky? We can be. We could be there. I, there's We're like, not.
1: there's We're- like a, I, I think there's a grasshopper there, <laughs> and, and like, like I saw a dust mote fly yeah. by. You know, there's like nobody there. No. I've checked it. I keep going back there, and it's like the same feed from a month ago. Yeah. And it's like you're there. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Anyways. We we can be on. There. I think social media is struggling. I don't even know if it's gonna ever come back. It's man. not the only thing struggling right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can, oh. but you can email us at oytgpod at gmail.com mm-hmm. um and yeah it's a podcast where you know we met in 1995 at a record store that's right we're talking about music we're music. hanging out we're spending time together yeah. we're we're uh we're uh cultivating our friendship yeah we that are. we've had we're, we're, we're at like 28 years now
1: it is you know what and it is something that has to be cultivated it is and i'm so
0: happy about it
1: uh, so am i dude it's Excellent. so nice. I'm Excellent. so excited you're coming by I so I didn't sleep well last night. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I actually think I was too excited to go to sleep. You, because had, I butterfly, you, you had butterfly jitters. I didn't. I was just laying there frustrated. Like, what's going on? Because I'm normally so tired all the
0: time. Yeah. And uh, last mm-hmm. night it was like, mine is racing. Tomorrow yeah. I'm going to see codes. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, so you and I were both in high school between, you're one year older than me, so mm-hmm. between 89 and 94, we were both in high school. You know, and so for this for this episode, I challenged myself uh, because really a list of what I listened to in high school would compose almost entirely of the Pixies, the Smiths, and the Cure. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to stay away from those big three because we're still going to have to do episodes on either one episode on all bands or you know whatever. Yeah, I hear we you. We got to delve more into that. Yeah. And then I also tried to stay away from stuff from bands that we played something by in, a, in season one. So I kind of uh, challenged myself to pull deeper cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pulled my friends, like I said, I was just in Japan with some of my best friends so i pulled them like oh what were we listening to when we were cruising around or whatever yeah. so yeah i had a lot of fun putting this t- together but it was more difficult than i thought it would be to find trick six songs yeah that fit my self-contained kind well, of rule set and when i think about
1: it i went through a lot of phases in high school yeah right so like when my freshman year 1989 i mean i was all cult acdc really into zeppelin and it would have been that kind of thing. And then, and maybe some hip hop, but then as the years went on, I went through all kinds of, sometimes I would get really into like weird twee British rock for a month and then I might right. not ever listen to it. So I kept remembering like, oh yeah, I was really into that song Pure. Oh yeah, Danzig. Yeah. Like, and then I would be like, oh, I forgot I listened to that. Like. So I, my, my list kept getting longer and longer and longer, and I deleted a lot of it, but I have an, a huge playlist, and I just kind of threw the top six up at the top, but I don't even know if they're t- it's true. This isn't a true top six. Yeah, me.
0: that's that's what it's it's, it's hard. So just it kind is. of like what what you want to represent in well, this episode, might you know you know what you know what I did?
1: I I chose songs that I have a very good memory associated yeah, with. Same. That's what I did. Yeah,
0: yeah, or or bands or whatever. Yeah. Same. So yeah, let's just jump right into it uh, because that that pool is calling my name because it's hot outside. It is hot. Yeah. And I want to keep drinking my natty lights. Yep. And take a dip. And I want you to to do whatever you want to do. Thanks, man. Yeah you know i'll go first okay. I'm, I'm gonna normally i ask you if you want to go first yeah. but i'm just going to go first do it the one of the bands and this is an interesting band to me rem because mm-hmm. my friends didn't really listen to rem mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of one of those bands that's like and i know it's like they're a super popular band totally. so i'm not trying to say like i was like underground or anything mm-hmm. but i always you know i kind of dug that they didn't really listen to it but i did it was kind of like for me well you
1: know they were popular in the 80s, but they weren't huge until later in the 90s.
0: Yeah, early 90s when Out of Time came out and yeah, stuff like that. They yeah. really so kind of they, were, they were right. kind of
1: like, they were right there with the replacements and and right. uh, Kitchens. Like just a whole bunch of bands that were sort of like... Uh,
0: Did you almost say Kitchens of Distinction? Yeah. I almost put a Kitchens of Distinction song on my list. <laughs> oh, really? Because I heard one of their tracks on 120 Minutes and I bought the album off-base. Yeah. The Japanese version of the album and I loved it. But again, it's one of those bands that... I don't think I've ever heard any other album by them.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, just that, just that one. I don't even think I can't think of the name of the song right now or the the album. But it's funny that you <laughs> see we we are so much alike. Yeah, we, we were do. talking about that off yeah. air. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I do love REM though. Yeah, and for me REM is I, I'm really into the like kind of the four albums they released between '87 and '92. Okay. Document Green At a Time Automatic for the People is kind of where I listen to that album a lot. Yeah. But it's not one I go back to and listen to much right. anymore. Um but also REM's not something I really go back and listen to much anymore. Yeah. But there was a great podcast, uh, where um it's called. it was called like Are You Are You To Me Reto? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's comedian. It's Adam Scott and um, Scott Ackerman. Okay, and they they started it with another band where they they basically went through the band's entire catalog. Oh, that's I, I super forget cool. who they started with. Oh, that's neat. but their second season was REM. Wow, and so they went through every album and they basically played. Did parts you listen of, to it? Yeah, they played parts of every album. Oh, wow, and then they would talk about their experience with that album or that yeah. whatever. And I remember when I was going through that, I was like, oh man, almost every song I, almost every song for the up until like ninety three. Every song in the album I was like, I like like I can yeah. get that. Like well, I, can I feel get like behind that.
1: I feel like Smith's fans pr- had a lot to like with like Fables of the Reconstruction and all yeah. those early albums. Like to me, like I hear Buck and Marr are kind of similar in that they invented like this whole new way of playing what they were playing. Like they were you could tell who they were immediately.
2: Right.
0: You hear
1: Johnny Marr like, that's Johnny Marr. You hear Peter Buck, you're like, that's Peter Buck.
0: Right. They're doing something a little different, not
1: just. Yeah, and then the you mark. have this like charismatic sort of like quasi poet. Right on top of it.
0: Yeah. So formed in Athens, Georgia, they recorded fifteen albums. Like I said, I mostly listen to their their late '80s stuff, uh, early '90s stuff. But uh, the the track I pulled was uh, their first single ever, "Radio for Europe," off their first album. Oh yeah. Uh, I chose this version. It's off the an album called "The Original Hip Tone Single." It's off a collection called "The Best of the IRS Years." Okay. And it's a little dirtier. It's not as polished as the the one that was on. Uh, was it Fables their first album? I think, album? That, I think yeah. that was the first one. So, so sure. it's, it's like the first track on their first album. Okay. But this is like a dirtier, almost like a demo kind of version of it. Uh, but yeah, this song this song's like an all-time song. Like This song pops into my head several times a year.
1: Yeah. And it's like
0: a, one of those earwigs. I can't get it out until I listen to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had their like their original greatest hits that came out in the late 80s. Yeah. Or early 90s, probably the late 80s. You know, it had all of these songs on it. And it's hard to pull that song out of your cassette player. It yeah. just like... You know, you can, and there's enough variation where you're like, oh, I want to hear this whole thing get
0: flip over. Let's yep. just keep going. Yeah. So, uh yeah, Radio Free Europe, the original hip tone single. Yeah, so I went through a phase where I listened to a ton of REM, but again, yeah. mostly, like, in my room, by myself, or... When i was driving by myself and actually like as i got a car i got older in high school i probably listened to less rem okay but like ninth tenth grade yeah uh, i was really into into rem so yeah i love them yes yeah. I, I still do when
1: i put them on i can't i even like their later albums but i never put them on it's not like oh i want to i i every once in a while maybe three times a year i'll just start playing a bunch of their albums right but uh you know brett uh my friend our friend brett was saying that he's been doing that with Bands where he's actually going through, like he listened to Pink Floyd first album all the way to the end, uh, and he's done that with a bunch of bands now, which is another whole catalog. And he doesn't allow himself to listen to anything else. He listens to every single song uh. in order, and I feel like that is such a cool uh, like experiment, and you get to really learn the band that way. I, I think it's pretty awesome. I kind of do that with REM. Uh, not exactly the way Brett does it, but every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I just can't get enough, and I'll right. listen to their whole span. And even you know, Up was one of their albums. I think. And yeah, I think it's, it's one of their later albums. Yeah, maybe it's pretty their last good. One. Like they're they're just good.
0: yeah, it, it's yeah. It's interesting because again, it's like uh, if if it's not if I'm not listening to it, I would think like, oh, I like one or two songs off Document. But if yeah. I listen to Document, then they're like, like every single every song. single song. Yeah. yeah,
1: they're very strong. Like yeah. every song is is good. Yeah. And then some of them are really, really yeah. good. I
0: even like. I even like when like they get a lot of crap for being like a uh, stand. I love stand. Stand's a great song. Yeah, I yeah.
1: love that one too. <laughs> Green. Yeah, Is that it? yeah, that's yeah. that was a good one. I, I I also had the same parameters for myself, but I broke them immediately because <laughs> I I uh, I can't follow my own rules. So um, you're a rebel. This thotty. was a big one for me though. We did we played the Smiths. And I, I love uh, Morrissey's records, and I love Your Arsenal, especially. Uh, that's a, like a super cool uh, memory for me in high school was going to see Morrissey. And I think, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure the photo that's on the Your Arsenal cover, I was at that show, it's at Nassau Coliseum. So pretty positive I was there. Um, but I when I, when I think of the 90s, I think of mixtapes. I made a lot of them it was like my pastime yeah so this song started off a bunch of mixtapes for me you're gonna need someone on your side i think it's one of the coolest glam rockabilly rock songs to come out in the 90s and i think that morrissey just like nailed it with mick ronson uh who who played guitar for he's not playing guitar in this as far as i know he's just the producer but he played guitar with david bowie uh during that whole glam era and he played guitar with uh, bob dylan when he was doing the traveling concert show like so he's a shredder real good guitar player he really brings a rock element to morrissey that he maybe didn't have before right And it's this song this song is just so great yeah by the
0: time i got into the smiths the, every album was an older album right yeah and so but morrissey was putting on new stuff yeah so, that so, made so it a exciting. lot of it a lot of yeah. it to me I still have a gray area like what's a Morrissey song and what's a Smith song. Okay. And I know that just shows my ignorance because you should be able to recognize Johnny Marr's uh, music. Right. But I, a lot of like stuff, especially back in high school when I was first listening, I'm like, Oh I love this song. This is a great Smith song, I'd be like, Well it's a more it's a solo song. It's a yeah. Morrissey song. Well it's
1: kinda of hard in the beginning because he got that really great guitar player who just died. Um, from Scritti Pilati. is that the name of the man? I, I Scritty Yeah, that's yeah. Scritti Pility. That that fellow just died. I'm pretty sure he played on the first couple of Morrissey songs. And and that guy is a technically incredible guitar player. And I think he was able to sort of emulate Marr's approach without sounding like Marr. He's a very special guitar player. So I think that first album, um, Viva Hate. Yeah, so Viva Hate, that guy's on there. And it's just kind of, it's very much like, yeah, Viva Hate. I should get that tattoo. Which one? Viva Hate.
0: (laughs) Like a neck tattoo. Yeah, that would be great, right there, right right across the neck.
1: Viva hate. Yeah. Dang. Well, anyways, I love this album, and it took me decades to understand that that's a play on words. Like your arse is your ass. I I did not ever pick up on it. I never thought your arsenal was like a funny way of saying your ass. Oh. Yeah. Because they say they say arse right in England, and not I just
0: figured it out today.
1: and, and, and it's a quintessential Morrissey song because he's kind of like, this is what I, when I like Morrissey the most. He's like, basically, you're going to need somebody on your side, you know, and here I am. And then he like throws in the, you don't need to look so pleased, you know. <laughs> he's like sarcastic, you
0: know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, it took you decades to figure out your arsenal was code for your ass. Uh, it took us all decades to find out Morrissey's a piece of crap. I know what the heck. What a bum. Yeah, and I just listened to Smith's song. I can't remember the name of the song right now, but like, uh, there's bad people on the right. It's like a pro left. They Smiths have a song about the government trying to take things away from you and right. being bad and well, not having your best interests at heart. And well, now he's like a. Well, right here's the deal: no,
1: when you're living under Thatcher and Reagan. You can kind of see it, obviously, is what. But then, as he's gotten older, he just likes he just likes the white people. People get old and they get rich. He is a racist. And here, National Front Disco, I had no idea he was like, like sympathetic to the the skinheads. But then you look at his album covers, and a lot of his album covers are like skinheads, (laughs) like handsome little boys that are
0: skinheads. Yeah, he's super problematic. It sucks
1: because. (laughs) There's songs on there, like, I didn't know what he meant at first, but I was like, oh, okay, I think he's being wry. Oh, no, he really means all this. Yeah. And so he's, like, very right-wing. He's he's a homosexual man who, he's going to be, he's like Lindsey Graham, doesn't like the gays, even though he is, right? right. Like, like, that whole sort of thing. <laughs> so it's the same of So He's, like, he won't, he's all for the legislators that are that are going to bound him and call him a pervert, but right. he's, you know, so it's really weird yeah. to me. Uh it mainly falls back to you know he wants England to go back to being Lily White and a lot yeah. of people are like that whatever the dude can still write a great song and he sings like a bird man yeah. I I still love his music yeah I've... I'm not going to stop listening to him I don't care yeah I will listen to him I will listen to The Smiths when he comes out with his new record which I've heard they've already dropped because he's become so problematic when that thing's released I'm going to listen to it and I bet you I enjoy it even if I don't even if I'm mad at myself because life is complicated yeah and you can be a beautiful soul. And be and be a little bit off. Well, there's nothing
0: wrong. I can love a racist, kind yeah. you know, well, of. Yeah, part. Also, me. there's like a masochist part to like. Maybe you want to feel a little bad enjoying a Morrissey album. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I just think it's really important it's like to remember that 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 people that uh,
1: that that hold some like weird thoughts or like maybe even like sort of dangerous thoughts. Yeah. Can still be a dad. They can still be kind to animals. You know, they could still be a caring person. They can have like a flaw or two that you really, really don't like at all. Right. But you can still like the other part of them that's not like that. Like that dude who wrote this charming man. I like that dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a conversation for a different time. But yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry, se- no, sorry. 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 No, 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 sorry. I don't know. I was going to say separating the art from the artist is difficult. Yeah, it is. But I think if you want to enjoy art, it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to consume any kind of media and enjoy any kind of visual or performing or music arts you have to be able to separate the art from the artist. you have to yeah, yeah i agree sure. all right so this is you're going to need someone on your side by morrissey
2: <music>
0: yeah so i was talking about it's weird how big morrissey is in latino culture yeah and they they love especially mexicans they love morrissey they love the smiths and i was trying to figure out why and i and i was saying like oh it's like uh, machismo emo you know, it's like it's like it allows them to be, it allows them to be like emo and kind of sad and oh, yeah, yeah. but also like <laughs> the, also the dude like rips his shirt off at concerts and um, the one time I saw Morrissey was at the Arizona State Fair in like oh I was with you yeah like 1997 yeah and uh, my ex wife at the time well I guess she's still my ex wife my ex wife she's still your ex wife yeah uh, but she was my wife at the time <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She never liked the Smiths and never really got into Morrissey or anything like that. And I convinced her to go, and we were all there. And at one point, he ripped his shirt off and had Band-Aids over his nipples. And she just looked at me, and I was like, I know. Like I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I, the thing I remember about that show, and, and it's what I like about him, is the lighting is very strange at the State Fair. So do you remember that it's got that weird dome thing? And he saw his shadow in the ceiling. And he started doing like, like shadow stuff, shadow
0: puppet stuff, kind
1: yeah. of, but with his body. Yeah, and it was
0: really cool.
1: i remember everything like that's a creative person right there, and that yeah. was a good show. I saw him at, uh, I saw him at that little club in Tempe, and the stage was like a foot off the ground. It was awesome, and he played Smith songs. It was the first time I ever saw him play oh. Smith songs. Yeah,
0: what's Jump your in. next song? Thanks, Bill. Yeah, um, I'm going with uh, Ice Cube. Oh yeah, I remember. I I, I
1: remember when I first met you, you had an Ice Cube uh, tape in your car.
0: I fell hard for Wicked, the uh, the third album by Ice Cube. Sorry, The Predator. The song I'm choosing is Wicked. Mm -hmm. Predator is the album. Uh, I fell hard for this album. It's kind of like a. um, It's heavily influenced by the LA riots, which which happened a few months before he recorded this album. Yeah. And so it's the third album, and in the song Wicked, he references both Mike Tyson in prison, and Shaquille O'Neal. So sure. I thought, like, when I think about Mike Tyson in prison, I think about, like, oh, it was like a decade ago. Yeah, No, it was like 30 ago. years ago. Wow. And uh, in 2014, with an interview with Q-Tip, actor Leonardo DiCaprio expressed his admiration for the Predator and said that the album was the magnum opus of Ice Cube's solo career. Interesting. And a voice for the angry and unheard during the 90s. I'm going to have to listen to this album. I don't know if I've ever heard, heard it, to be this, honest. This whole album is all about... I mean, there's a lot of gangster stuff in there, too, but a lot of it is about, like, you thought you could get us. we're gonna, You're not going to get us. It's, like, all rebelling against, essentially, like, the police and the sort of conditions that, you know, the stop and frisk and the, all the, you know, yeah. it's, it's a very political album. Very, yeah. very political, but also very violent, like, they're, yeah, you know, lighting people up. with yeah, guns and stuff like that.
1: That's a little problematic because, yeah, he does have that political side, but he's also got this very, like, comic book... Which comic books are fine, but like he does bring this whole part of like the, the violence is glorified in yeah. a way that's a little bit much. And and, and yeah, it's
0: sexist. Like, I mean, talking about like problematic guys, like a lot of things on this album is problematic. It's sexist, it's very violent, it's very anti police, which I don't find problematic, but <laughs> some people do, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but again, I've just, man the one of the one of the ways me and my friend char bonded over music was that I always thought it was weird that he was like a tall black guy who liked like the cure and like uh cocktoo twins and stuff like that yeah and he always thought it was weird that I was a short pale white guy who just loved ice cube and like yeah. this album and you know like I also like like uh like Um, like Digital Underground like all kinds of like Tribe Called Quest yeah Uh, see now I forgot about that stuff because none of that made it on
1: there I was way into Digital Underground and Tribe Called Quest when I was in high school Visual maybe Underground 1. Yeah. I got into Tribe Called Quest later. I later, think, yeah, actually.
0: But but I mean, so I was never like a big like gangster rap guy. Yeah. But just something about and straight maybe, out
1: of Compton is so bad to the bone.
0: Yeah. And maybe it was just maybe it was just I got this cassette and I just hyper focused on this cassette for like six straight months or whatever. Dude, I want to hear
1: this song. But uh, what do yeah. You, so it, it's good. What's what's the idea? What's Predator about? Is it about is it about Arnold Schwarzenegger? They, they, then, he
0: samples. He samples. Lines from the Predator movie. Nice. Uh, throughout yes. the album, a little bit. Um, but I just chose Wicked because it's kind of like one of the just sort of like general, easy to understand kind of song. It's not. Okay. It doesn't have a huge political. I mean, the whole album's political, but uh, I think I just kind of breezed through the album and I was like, I'll do Wicked, and it's got like a, it's got like some uh, like Rastafarian rapping. going Ooh. Like I don't know who guessed it on it, but oh, nice. Someone else is there. So he's there. kind
1: of like bridging. He's like, because I really liked it when hip hop went in and started pulling in music from other cultures and it was not straight rock and roll beats anymore or james yeah. brown beats but all of a sudden you were hearing stuff from you know the caribbean and all that mixed in you like whoa
0: this yeah there's, is so- there's some stuff in here i don't even know if it's i don't know if it's uh like strings or if it's synthesizers but there's some like there's some music stuff in here that i don't quite get like how it was how it was made or whatever but yeah, yeah he's de- it's definitely not the straight just like drum machine behind them or the beat you know the beat yeah. machine behind them there's other stuff going on yeah. and it's throughout this album so uh yeah this is uh wicked off of the predator by ice cube from 1992 sweet yeah so you mentioned uh it reminded you that song reminded you of a public enemy song yeah,
1: yeah. oh man public enemy that's one of my favorite concerts of all time they open for the cult
0: oh what a great like <laughs> lineup dude I went to the show and
1: I, I always love Public Enemy and um, I always wanted to see them and when I saw they were opening for the cult I was like oh this is this is gonna be fun. So I, I show up and of course you know the people that are there are there to see the cult and I'm, I am too. But uh, I was completely unprepared for how public enemy music affects me in, in person. <laughs> in public? <laughs> Dude. I'm I'm standing there, and I'm talking to this guy and the girl. The girl definitely was not into the cult. The guy was. He dragged her there. You could feel it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Public Enemy, they go out. And then uh, as soon as the bass came on, Terminator X is up there making... I turned around and started jumping. (laughs) And then I turned sideways a little bit, and the girl looked appalled. Like, I lost my mind. But the Public Enemy Live is one of... It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And that guy, Flavor Flav, is everything he's, he makes them. He even he pulled out a giant, like, six-string bass. Yeah. I don't know if he was actually playing it, but they were, they were amazing. That guy was amazing. Chuck D's amazing. At one point, they all dropped down and started doing push-ups <laughs> in the middle of the show. It was so good. But yeah, that whole like unrelenting sort of sonic assault. Yeah. And with the MC over the top of it. Yeah. Where it feels like almost like a war or like it is powerful.
0: Yeah, like a lot of hip hop now I can't get into because it goes into these like R and B like it'll be it'll be an MC or they'll be rapping and then it'll go into like some weird R and B chorus. And like so much of it now is like kind of singing Mm -hmm. with a beat behind it and I just like like, my kid listen like, I just can't. I can't, like, I, the, the Drake and the Frank Ocean and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it does nothing for me at all. That's why I'm, like, more into, like, Trap, like, Run the Jewels, because it's, like, that thump, yeah. thump, thump, that, that pound, pound, pound. I can get into it. Miles is really into uh,
1: this British, I don't know, know what the genre exactly is. It's hip hop, but it's this guy, Dave. And then there's another guy who's playing. He's like, hey, what do you think? I'm like, to me, it sounds exactly like Dave. I because I've got British accent, so I don't know. But uh I'm like happy that he's into it, but it's more like uh, simple. Like the beats are a lot more sparse, there's more space, and the it, it definitely has a lot of forward momentum, which I love, but it's at the same time like, wow, this is so minimal. Remember that guy Craig Mack, Here Comes a Brand New yeah. Flavor in Your Ear? It's almost like that, whatever that is, how that works. I don't understand music enough to understand how a hip-hop person can make that happen and flow and feel good, there's got to be some magical little element there. Because right. I understand how Public Enemy works is just like anthrax, or it's like rock and roll.
0: Yeah, they, the, they are. They,
1: that's a great... Yeah, Public Enemy is... It's like heavy metal. Is, is the hardcore Yeah. version of rap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And same, like ice tea same thing. But like some of those guys where I'm like, like, Craig Mack, you're like, I don't know why I like this so much. I don't know why it works. Because if I tried to do the exact same thing... It would be terrible. Right. Well, we're not MCs. Well, we can't do it. We can't do any of that. But I mean, but I actually don't even, I can't even understand why it works. Like, I don't, I just I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I don't know why. Right. It's well, I did beatbox
0: on a twist ties
1: track once. I remember. Yes. We should try to figure out how to get some twist ties onto the show.
0: Well, it's our theme song is a, is a sample is, from Twist Ties. True, yeah. That is true. That uh, is true. Yeah, maybe when we do our Tempe, our, our local music episode, we'll yeah, play a Twist Ties track.
1: Maybe Twist Ties need to make it on there. Yeah. I think uh, Brett needs to be uh, recognized. Yeah, for the genius that he yeah. is. For genius.
0: All right, so we're moving in a completely different direction here for yeah. Mr. Cube. Yeah, so I was uh,
1: when I was in high school, uh, someone took me on a trip to the city, my first trip there uh, as, a, as a consumer, like uh, not on a field trip. And um, we were walking around, and of course I like, wanted a pair of Doc Martin boots, so this is probably 1990, and uh, we're going around like trash trashing vaudeville, I'm seeing all these things. So I start going to the city all the time, and there was a record store called Sounds on St. Mark's Place, or St. Mark's Street, and they had mostly CDs and records, it seems like a lot of CDs, but they had cassettes and they were selling them for like a dollar. So yeah, I was just like, you know, it was at the time where no one wanted cassettes anymore. So I saw this singles. Um, it was, it was called squeeze singles, 45s and under. And I didn't really know who squeeze was, but it was like a buck and I was buying something else. So I bought it and I had a tape player in my car and I put it in and I was addicted to this record. I listened to it all the time. It's just all their early singles. Like all their singles from 77 to like 1982. And they made a huge jump from there so they start off their first album is a little bit more punky although the song we're going to play is uh got more synthesizer in it and uh they're just a surprising band i can kind of see how in my mind like i never dug steely dan in high school but i can almost see how steely dan was um the, the songs are so well crafted so well performed great guitar player cool singing that i i feel like it may be like laid the foundation for me to appreciate bands like Steely Dan later. Yeah. They're awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever... I've never consciously listened to Squeeze. I mean, I know know they're a band. Yeah. But I've never listened to them. I've never sought them out. I've never had anything. I just assumed they were like... Like, i never put much stock into devo just personally yeah oh, i, I love know devo. steve mandel right now is like sharpening a knife yeah.
1: i love devo, too, but yeah. uh
0: but like like i just assume like oh they got to be like they're like devo kind of i assume
1: uh, at least this song is a little bit like devo yeah. yeah i'm gonna play take me i'm yours yeah all right but go ahead like
0: yeah, yeah so you so just i just yeah. never well like i just it. dismiss them at at you know whole cloth because i don't i again the the art rock
2: like yeah. the
0: the the, the the pretentiousness I can get into yeah. is like Pulp, like we talked about yeah. last last episode. Yeah. That's the level of pretentiousness I can get into. The sort of although I do at my last track that I pulled is from a pretentious band. I don't think this but, band's pretentious, but go but, ahead. But art, like art, <laughs> art rock and just sort of like let's be weird and try shit out? Yeah. I don't I don't get into that as Breaking much. Breaking new
1: ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't get into that as much. Yeah. I'm a simple simple you, dude. I you need are. like a I need like a simple you know beat what I can works. dance to. Yeah. yeah. You know what works. Yeah, I I, I, my buddy Carlos
1: bought tickets. He's like, "Hey, do you want to go?" It's psychedelic furs and Squeeze. I'm like, "Not really, because it's a, <laughs> it's like a Wednesday night, man, <laughs> or a Tuesday night or something. I'm like I don't know." But then I was like, ah, "I've never seen Squeeze, and I love them, and I
0: love the psychedelic furs. Like these are two big bands for me. I'm like, and you, and I'm gonna go. You may never get a chance to like. That's the thing, that's the thing with going to see music now for yeah. bands that we like. is yeah. that they might, they might not be around. And this old, band was yeah. old
1: when I got into them, which yeah. was also part of like the 120 minutes thing. You know, like I was getting into college rock or bands that were like flying under the radar that were influencing the bands I was listening to in the 90s or 80s. Uh, anyway, so Squeeze was still a band at this point, but yeah, they're so good. And oh, what I was going to say was, I told people, yeah, I got tickets to go see Squeeze today, and they're like, "What's that? Like, you know, Squeeze? They're like my age, you know." never heard of them. Well, you never heard him like what about what about take me i'm yours? And I started singing it. And they're like, never heard it. like, whoa. Cuz this to me is like in my DNA. Like this album Singles 45 and Under, I know it frontwards and backwards. I've listened to it a thousand times. Right. I love this compilation. It's amazing.
0: Well, let's introduce people to Take Me I'm let's Yours by Squeeze. <laughs> Two thoughts. Is <laughs> two thoughts give <laughs> Bill a couple of but or Coors Lights and we're in trouble. Uh, my first thought is uh, I've never heard that song before, and my second thought is the X Men animated series from like 1992 sampled that intro because <laughs> X Men knows what's up, dude.
1: X Men knows. Yeah, there's always cool people in that world, right? Uh, yeah, and then.
0: Sure. And then you played another
1: track for me. Um, Pulling Muscles from the Shell, which is like the most, one of the most famous.
0: Yeah. But then I said it sounds like Elvis Costello. And you were like, yeah.
1: Yeah, they do. So they do sometimes. It's kind of hard with the British accent and the pub scene and right. all that. Yeah. All
0: right. I should probably pull <clears throat> up my notes here. Here we go. Okay. So my next is is uh, The Sundays. Oh. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with reading, writing, and arithmetic. Great. Great. The album came out album. in 1990. Hell yeah. Uh, this, I, you know, I. Remember playing this a lot, driving around, especially if I had a young lady sitting shotgun. This oh. is the album you play. Oh, is that right? Um, but see, it's all, I didn't
1: have that kind of game. Yeah.
0: Well, they they, they didn't have what They just wanted to ride
1: somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, I had a car. That was your move. Did it ever yeah. work? Did the girl ever think that you were like me?
0: Um. No, I mean they mostly just used us for our rides everywhere because they were like might be a year younger than us, didn't have their license yet. I see. Uh but. This album, I mean, I've I played this a lot, like just in my room, going yeah. to sleep or whatever. This is uh, we still
1: play this one. A yeah, lot. this is great. I played this a lot.
0: They uh, they only released like three or four albums. And All then, good. And then the two of them got married, and they just retired to raise their children. And then they, but apparently there is like vaults of Sundays music they recorded at home. Wow. Cause, you know, like the, her and her husband, another guy in the band, they're the, the, the driving force behind the band. No kidding. And so, there's apparently like unreleased tracks just wow. sitting around. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And again, this is another band I thought, like, oh, nobody knows the Sundays. And then, when I researched, it's like, oh, no, this was. They were number, huge, Reached number four on the UK charts. It peaked at number 39 in the US. Yeah. Like, it was a big album. Um, and this is before their cover of Wild Horses. Like, this is sort oh, of. Oh, that's
1: such a good cover of that song. Yeah.
0: I like, almost like, yeah, I love that it's song. It's funny we didn't think to I didn't think to put that on our cover episode. There's so many good covers I've I've
1: I've thought of since that episode. (laughs) Yeah. Like just randomly like I'm like playing it and I'm like, oh this is the cover. I should have put this on there.
0: Uh so this is just all around an amazing album. Again, reach number four. Pitchfork listed it as one of the top twenty five best indie pop albums of the nineties. Wow. Um so high praise there from Pitchfork, which people put stock into uh I I don't I don't really I don't really I,
1: I, I enjoy reading Pitchfork, but like they've led me down the wrong path a bunch of times and uh, talk about pretentious they are. Yeah. They have a couple good writers though that I really do right. like I don't, I don't want to talk smack about Pitchfork but I, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes as often so, as I turn on to something good So we're
0: not going to get sponsored by Pitchfork now Shoot um, ah. So the album, I, the song I chose, I tried to choose one of the more like upbeat kind of ones mm-hmm. um, which when it's with the Sundays, upbeat is you know relative relative right Mm -hmm. uh so i chose hideous towns which is kind of just like oh i don't know this one by name it's a song about like basically singing about like the just like every like your 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 gray sky cover your boring town just sort of opposite pakistan new jersey yeah not the most beautiful place in the world (laughs) um so yeah it's about like just trying to get away from where you get get away from where you've been yeah you know do you know you want to go to a new place yeah um, so yeah i chose hideous towns by the sundays uh, this I, I highly recommend speaking as speaking as like complete albums i highly recommend reading writing and arithmetic totally great it's such a solid and the one album.
1: after it is really great too yeah
0: yeah that's the that's the first one i heard and then i went back and got this wow. one yeah. so you know it's good i'm so lazy and i'm so short-sighted you know i have to dig a band if i'm going to go back and and check out other <laughs> albums um, but yeah here we go hideous towns cool All right, Bill. So, would you, uh, did you recognize the song when you heard I, it? I kind of did, but I, I, you know, I think that I it gets lost
1: when I'm listening to because I'm kind of listening for the songs that I really recognize. But the right. thing that jumped out at me is the drums right away. Like that, the drums are really cool. It, it reminded me a lot of Edie Raquel and the New Bohemians. Like that could almost be like a headband, you know? Like people that love to go to festivals and see like a jam band. Like that almost right. seems to me like. It's pop enough, but the drums take it to where that's that could be multi-category music. Like I, I did not remember the drums being that cool. Yeah, because I'm normally listening to the more softer songs. That's what we Sunday morning music, kind right?
0: Of getting, you know? Yeah, that is kind of like cafe. Like this is an album they would play at a Starbucks, totally, and then try to get you to buy at Starbucks. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah I, lo- I mean, I love it. I think Harriet Wheeler has an amazing voice. Like it's, and to me, like you said, it could be. And Edie Brickell, it could be Edie Brickell, and um, the next song I chose. They're compared; these two bands are compared a lot because of the way the vocalists sound. Uh-huh. Um, but to me, she is like I can hear that voice and immediately know it's the Sundays. Yeah. So and I mean, I, yeah,
1: she doesn't sound like Edie Brickell. I think the music sounded like Edie Brickell. Okay. So she sounds like her. She's right. got a very singular voice. Yes. Uh, but the way she's having to like adapt to the strange rhythms that's that was to me that was eddie braquel's whole shtick she was able to i mean i'm a fan of Edie braquel she was able to sort of make these like beautiful songs but the music was not like standard pop fare it was right. a little more adventurous you know
0: yeah the sundays are more like an easily digestible version of like the sugar cubes
1: Were it's you- funny that you say sugar cubes
0: <laughs> oh really
1: i did pick them
0: okay yeah uh well are they next or are they later <laughs> in your list
1: a- they're actually next oh
0: perfect. <laughs> Like I, I didn't think about it until you were talking about how uh, Harriet Wheeler and Edie Brickell can both kind of like pitch their voice a little different or kind of blend to the music. And that's yeah. when I think about the sugar cubes. That's what I think about Bjork was that she was able to. It was almost like the band was like we're going to play this music and you got to sing to this to jerk this. Was a female." and so she was able to to kind of do that like yeah. she could move her voice around any kind of yeah, uh, instrumental layout it was
1: almost like to her that was probably the most fun you get the feeling that like yeah. whatever you throw at her she's going to make it work
0: yeah it was almost like a band with a vocalist instead of a band because right. they it, it's up to her to meld that all together
1: <sighs> i kind of feel yeah But I don't necessarily. I think she's just such a creative soul that she just makes whatever she contributes is gonna always be amazing. She's never gonna get in the way or stand on it or. But the sugar cubes, I think
0: they made that really hard for her. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Yeah. So I I think they were definitely like. But I always feel like she's a part of it. Right. I don't feel like she's just plopped on top. I guess I didn't mean it that way. I meant okay. that she has to adapt to the music rather than yeah. the music adapting to her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, should we just transition into the Sugar Cubes? Or... Yeah, we're talking about them now. Yeah, so I... like, when I think of the Sugar Cubes, I they were one of those bands where the first time I heard them, I like stopped what I was doing. And they're the kind of band that you want to go take one of their songs and put it on a mix because it's so offbeat. It was not what I was used to hearing. Right. So my introduction to the Sugar Cubes, I mean, I think I had heard... Uh, hit I'd heard songs by them that and birthday of course was like a huge song for 120 minutes so I knew that one and that's on this album uh, which is uh, uh, life's too good from 1988 great album but I had a friend called aaron West in high school and we made each other mixtapes and it would be pretty elaborate like with covers and uh like we i I'm, I'm into collage art lately well that's where it started i would I would make little covers for all the cassettes and then like photocopy them and i would have liner notes in there like what she should listen for and she would do the same thing for me and she made me one of the mixtapes was really great it had like mostly hardcore she was really into like hardcore music uh and then she had this song in there and i remember driving in my car listening to this and laughing out loud and i was like oh man what is a good mixtape song and it was the sugar cubes sick for toys that I remember the most as the maybe one of the ultimate mixtape songs. Throw it onto a mix and it will stop everybody cold in their tracks for a couple minutes and just get them to shut up because they're gonna want to hear it. So this is like the ultimate song for that. It's a mixtape
0: song. I'm excited because I don't I I don't know the Sugar Cubes that well. I mean okay. I had I had an album, I don't remember which one it was, probably the one with hit on it. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh but I have a traumatic, uh, ex, uh, tra- I associate them with a, with a traumatic event. What? Well, so so? I went on my 17, 17- when I was turning 17, my uncle lived in Alaska. He was mm-hmm. stationed in Alaska, Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. So we flew from Japan to, uh, well, actually the flight there, we were flying, um, you can fly Space A if you're a military family. So we're actually flying on a cargo plane that only had like seven passenger seats. Oh, wow. It's like from a movie. And so it was basically the crew of the plane. And my parents and me. That was it. Wow! And so, like, it was kind of neat because you could walk around. Like, they had these like uh, like jump seats, like bench seats, so you could lay in there. You could lay like full layout. Wow! Um, but it was like, I mean, it's the biggest plane I've ever been. On. I mean, it was you could fit like jeeps and tanks in it. It's like it was it was the it was a C ten like Hercules, I think, the biggest aircraft the U S military has. It's what, oh my goodness! It's what we flew there on, dude, Cody. I feel like I'm h- hanging out with
1: Nicolas Cage right now. My dog just sneezed. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's excited. Uh, <laughs> But the problem was, I found out later, and my dad had to fly in his uh, uniform. Okay, and so uh, we were flying there, and I'm i I'm, I was a real bad flyer then. I'm much better now. I don't know what but, that means. Like you were uh, scared. nervous. Oh, okay. I, I, don't like, I still don't like flying, but I'm fine now. Okay. But back then, I was really not into it. Yeah. And apparently I, I, I got sick and I didn't know why I got sick, but I, I got sick and I, I got, ended up getting sick all over my dad and his like uniform. Oh no. And we found out later that the pilot came down and told us like, oh, the, you know, we have it on autopilot, but the, the gyroscope is a little off. So the, so the plane was basically like rocking oh, like a boat. So I got oh, seasick. Oh my goodness. And so it was like the worst flight and it's like a nine, eight, nine hour flight. Oh my god! And so it was like a nightmare for me. And then, like, it just got worse. Like, we landed in Anchorage, and it was like, we're supposed to get another flight from Anchorage to Fairbanks. <coughs> and I told my dad, I was like, I can't get on another plane. And so we actually rented a car and drove, like, five hours instead of flying, like, an hour. Oh, my goodness. And so... Oh, and, what then, a trooper your dad was. Yeah, yeah Puke. He was. And then, like, also, we forgot. So we were there for, like, ten days, and we forgot... He forgot that he I got sick on him and we bagged up that uniform. Oh no! And, and we we're getting ready to fly back. Oh! And he had to fly in his uniform, <sighs> so he goes in his bag to look for his oh, uniform, my gosh. and it's not there. And so he had to take it into the dry the cleaners on base, the base that we were my uncle was stationed at, and basically like hand them a bag with like ten day old vomit covered clothes, and be like, I need this by tomorrow. So somehow the most ultimate Cody story <laughs> of all time. Like, he's like, I need this by tomorrow. So then you know my dad's telling me he's prepping me the whole trip he's like we're not driving back to anchorage we're taking a flight from here to anchorage and then a flight back home to okinawa so you're going to have to just deal with it right so then we get to the airport and so on the way there the long the long stretch of the flight on the way there we flew on the biggest aircraft the US military has from fairbanks to anchorage we flew on the smallest aircraft the US military <laughs> has it was a four seater whoa like uh like turboprop wow so you're feeling everything and the, the the pilots just you could look right into the cockpit, <laughs> and when we got up into the air because this is this is early January, we got up into the air. All you hear is like like almost like a whistling noise. All the windows froze over, and they're just flying by instruments. Oh my goodness! And every window on the plane is frozen over. You can't see out the plane. Wow! And so, and it's the smallest plane, and it's winter in Alaska, yeah. and so it's bumping the whole way. It was like an hour and a half. Did flight. they give you Dramamine? I mean? No. What? Maybe my mom tried to. But anyway, so I'm I'm white knuckling the whole flight. I mean it's bouncing around. Like, like the plane is so small that you can feel it when it turns. Like, yeah. like on a big plane, you can't really feel it when it rocks. Right. But this time like I can see everything moving. Oh yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. and I the only the only cassette I had in my Walkman was a sugar cubes cassette. Oh man. So I played it on repeat the whole flight. Oh my goodness. And so now I associate Bjork's voice with that flight. Holy cow, but, that is not fair. But the it got worse because as we're starting to land, the ice starts cracking off the windows. <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds like someone's breaking glass. Oh I bet. And the pilot, like he knows my, my dad told him Like, so the pilot kept turning. He's like, this is all completely normal. And in my head, I'm like, look out the window, man. And he's like, like, don't worry. This is all normal. We do this flight every day. Don't worry about it. And then even when the ice cracks off and I can look outside, I now see ice cracking off the wings, which means the wings were frozen (laughs) for while we were flying. So oh. and, and, and you know, and as we're going in, we're just doing this. Like he like he took a hard ride at one point and he's like he's like this and but the whole time he's trying to walk me through it. Yeah he's like this totally normal, it's totally safe. We do this a thousand times a year, don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, but anyway totally. so yeah, I associate the scariest flight I've ever been on with Bjork's voice. Ah. So I can't is really this, is this gonna be hard for you?
1: Not. Actually, in this song she's singing backup. Yeah. So it's a little different. That is a crazy story, Cody. I've never heard that.
0: Yeah, it's so funny that, I mean, uh, you just happen to choose the sugar cubes. I know, it is I have funny. a very traumatic story about the sugar cubes.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm glad you did. That was yeah. highly interesting.
0: So this is uh, Sick for Toys by Sugar Cubes. Yeah, Wow. <laughs> Right, that is that is the most Bill song I've ever heard. I just remember hearing it's probably like in
1: the middle of like *Sense Field* and like *Resurrection*. These like hardcore bands, and then there was that song. And I just remember like laughing and like rewinding and listening to it again. And then when I I was thinking of Aaron and I was thinking of great mixtapes, I played it again and I had the same reaction. I was
0: laughing the whole time. It's so funny. It tells a story. It's a story song. Yeah, that is. <laughs> That is some experimental uh, art rock there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I love how you know they got that B-52s thing going. It's a yeah. new wave. Almost got some cure vibes. Yeah, and-
0: very new wave, which, which I don't really associate Sure with normally. So that's, right. Yeah. And, and Bjork, bless her, she takes that song completely seriously. Like Her oh. contribution is outstanding. I feel like she takes everything super seriously. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it's always fun and whimsical.
0: Yeah, one of the, um, you remember when we when we worked at the record store, we'd sometimes get like Subway posters, mm-hmm. like you, they, there'd be promos mm-hmm. and we could take them home or whatever. We had a yeah. Morrissey one in the house, the 720 house.
1: Oh yeah, the, um, the Smiths. The Smiths one, right, yeah. okay. But that was a gift from actually Jen Cole, my friend oh. Jen Cole gave it to me.
0: Well, I got one uh, when Hyper Valley came out, I got a, 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 basically a full wall size. A subway wall, wow. Sub, yeah. And it was in when my son was born. It was in that apartment where, yeah. where, where my son was born. Oh yeah. And it was in the master bedroom. So I'd always look over and see her, and she had like that weird makeup on. Yeah. Yeah. She's, so I, I, she's I have a lot one. of stir. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not her fault that I was on that plane. It's not her fault. It's not. No, her she fault. had no
1: idea. It would have been. I. It would have been really neat if, if she showed up, like jumped out from behind the like the tank. <laughs> yeah, it feels like, like a concert. Yeah, like I can just picture Bjork like. There's a kid who's sick. Right. And uh, he's listening to your tape on a loop right now. She'd be like, get me there.
0: Yeah. She'd jump out. (laughs) Uh, So we went from uh, a female fronted band to a female fronted band, even though she sang back up on that track, to another female fronted band. Uh, The Primitives were often compared to the Sundays because the female singers in kind of the same area. I forgot about the Primitives. um, This album, again, I don't know if i've ever listened to another primitives album yeah but uh lovely from 1988 i've listened to this i listened to this album so much that it was the first cd i ever had that skipped that like scratches because i think i just always pulling it out put it in another it's a a great album man yeah so everyone knows crash
1: yeah that's the big
0: one that's the big one but uh melody maker described them as the perfect band who have made the perfect single regarding crash Mm -hmm. um and uh, Love, Lovely reached number six on the UK album chart. So again, I'm like, oh, no one knows The Primitives. And then I researched, like, oh, no, it was a top ten album in the UK. Well, well, that's like being a top ten album in New York City or something. It's not that big of a deal. Right. Well, I think it is. <laughs> uh, but this, this is, um, again, to call back to the our previous episode about uh, pretty much perfect albums, I think this is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's
1: a super great album.
0: I, I can't even believe that I, I, I forgot
1: that it existed, but it, when I was in high school, i I listen to the album a lot. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's so good. I think mine is also. I think I got because uh, I had it on cassette probably in high school or no on CD. I don't know how because the copy I have now that's all scratched and I might have even lost the disc. But it's signed. So I, at some t- point at Zia, I got one that someone turned in that was signed. Oh wow. And it might have been one of those things that happened once or twice at Zia where I already owned something and then one came in it was signed. Oh wow. And so I would buy that one and then just
2: Replacing. give give
0: the store my old one. Yeah. Um but uh yeah i love this album i I played it to death and the song i chose is called spacehead which i didn't want to go with crash because everyone's heard that so i decided to pull something else off of it cool uh so i pulled spacehead by the primitives nice
2: yeah all right bill
1: all right yeah so that whole idea about like not playing anything from our first season i'm breaking it again so okay Uh, the replacements were so huge like i purposely left the cult off Uh, because I talk about it too much, but the replacements, they were big time. And this was my first favorite album by them. It's off the Hootenanny album. And uh, I listened to this in my car for, it seemed like forever, Uh, but man, um, the song Color Me Impressed was like, when I threw that song on, I felt like I was driving to Mike's house and we're gonna go to the city and it's gonna be a great day. It's like reckless and fun and uh, it's just perfect tune. And I just love the, the, the whole phrase, color me impressed. Like, it just impressed me. I was like, that is a cool
2: line.
0: Yeah, I uh, I didn't... I never got... I knew Paul Westerberg before I knew the replacements because uh, of, like, the singles. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was it singles? or Yeah, he was in yeah. singles, yeah. And so I didn't really get into the replacements. So after I'd met you... But, uh, like, I really like, uh, was Tim the album? Tim, yeah. I really like Tim. I play, yeah, that is coming out, coming out soon. No, no, I can't yeah. wait for it. Yeah, I play that no, a lot. Tim. Some of my, well, I mean, uh, so I don't know if I've heard this song. Oh, you know,
1: you've definitely heard Well, I think you've heard it. Probably. It's hard. this I think, in my mind, this is a really influential song. Like, the way the guitars come in, it's not super grungy, but it's it's a little bit distorted. And I feel like this is kind of like a blueprint for a lot of Seattle Noise, noisier bands. They were kind of, they'd been like kind of a hardcore punk band and they were kind of leaving that stage on this album. They're sort of like trying to be a little bit more of um, just a rock and roll band, I think. And this is, you know, everything for them really starts after this album, but this was the album that if you asked me in high school, which my favorite album, it would have been Hootenanny. Now it might be like all shook down cause I'm holding more down with the more relaxed vibe. Right. But um, I, I love uh, I love this song. I love this album.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure when I hear it, I'll be like, oh, I know that. Because I, yeah. I did live with you for like a year. Yeah, you probably so heard it. I'm yeah. sure I've heard it. Uh, yeah, the, the, again, there are places are a band that I, I, I like that I can still discover them. Yeah. Like, you know, that's nice. It's like, I don't, know, I don't know a lot of their work. But what I've heard, I've all already liked. Yeah. So it's like something I can hold on to and just be like, someday, so, you know, some month. Like you were talking earlier about like listening to the whole... Uh, catalog of a band, yeah. Like I still have, I can still do that with the replacements. Oh, know? for sure. For the first time, yeah. And I think they, they're kind of like a lot of other bands. Well,
1: there's not a lot of bands like this where they have such a well-known lead singer who's like his 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 style of writing is kind of his. You can imitate him, but like he was kind of I I, I don't know. It seems like he was the first one to do this thing the way he does it, where one minute he's kind of like deep and a, and a searcher and the next minute he's just talking about like being in the backyard drinking a beer you know he's kind of this like very well-rounded like yeah. person and when i listened to him in high school i don't think i listened to the lyrics carefully i didn't listen to those lyrics carefully until i was much older i just got into him and his vibe and the sound and-
0: yeah when i think of paul westerberg i think of like uh, and, and, and and these are guys i've never really listen to their work, but in my head he, I think of like a Nick Drake and Elliot Smith, uh Connor Oberst a little bit. Yeah. He's got that that side to him,
1: but he's also got this like sort of like I think we talked about this in the first episode, problematic like shoot shoot yourself in the foot type issue that kept yeah. happening
0: to him his whole life. Like he almost self destructs when success is right there.
1: Yeah, which I could totally relate to. The small town vibe, like these guys seem like they could just be your next door neighbors. Like Everything's about to fall apart, and in this song, it's the same thing. It like almost sounds like it's not supposed to work, but it does, and because it does, it's like extra exhilarating. It's like, these guys nailed it, and they just sound like
0: knuckleheads. Well, I, I like... With the smart guy in right. the pack. <laughs> right. I like the, I like the word hootenanny. So, off of hootenanny, yep. uh, this is the replacements with Color Me Impressed. Again, I'm going to really enjoy... My month of the replacement. The deep dive into the maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just like for this month only the replacements. Let's do it. Listen to. Yeah. yeah,
1: can't wait to hear your report.
0: Uh, all right. So my uh, next song is a an, an album that. So there's a couple albums, and uh, I'll bring it up towards the end. Something that didn't make the cut. But uh, my friend Brian. So ninth and tenth grade. My friend Brian lived up the hill from us. He was my goalie on my soccer team. Um, and, uh, my other friend TJ lived next to him and they had a quarter pipe out front. So we'd always go skate up there, me, him, uh, my buddy, Jeff and, uh, TJ. And, uh, we'd always go in like Brian's mom was like super nice. Like she would, she'd be the mom who'd be like, Oh, I got lemonade for you guys. I'm oh, no. making snacks for you guys. You know, like <laughs> yeah. she'd cook us like hot dogs and shit like yeah. every day. Awesome. And so we'd go in to eat and get a, to get out of this, the, the heat for a little bit. We'd go into his, his room to cool down and, uh, i remember him having um international pop overthrow by material issue the cd
1: that's a great one
0: and i remember listening to it and but it's one of those ones where it's like i only really listened to it in his house and then like i never owned my own copy really but i just remember like that memory is ingrained with like going to his house and just being like every time i went there it's like i don't know what it is what's wrong with me that like i would every time i went to his house i was like let's put that cd in yeah I could have just bought that CD and had yeah, it at my house, but I never. But I did I never the same did. thing with
1: Halloween and Steve. <laughs> Every time I went to Steve's house, he had this like CD of Halloween, and there was a song called like the seventh. I don't. I actually don't even. I don't remember the name of the song. I'd always like, hey, can we play that song? Because I didn't like it enough to own it. I only right. like that one tune. Right. All right, go ahead. Sorry. But the,
0: the whole it, like as I've grown older, material issue. They're all their albums are great. I so, never
1: got into them until much later. Yeah. I never heard of them until college.
0: Yeah, but so but this song, um, so even in so I'm going to play Valerie loves me, and so huh. even going to clubs in high school, they would play this. Like I went the coolest clubs in the, like, I went to the coolest clubs in high school. They would play the Lemonheads, they would play Material Issue, they would play. Pixies, all sorts yeah. of cool stuff. Okay. So uh, this song, I remember being at clubs, and every time we'd come on, we'd all like, yeah, we're gonna go dance or whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so uh, Material Issues from Chicago, they released four albums before the suicide of the frontman Jim Ellison in 1996. Holy smokes! International Pop Overthrow was their debut album, and reached number 86 on the Billboard 200. And now in Chicago, there's a music festival, and it's called the IPO Music Fest, and it's named after this album, International Pop Overthrow. Oh wow. Um, But, uh, yeah, Valerie Loves Me is just a great. This album has like, if there's 12 songs on this album, five of them have are about women and has names. Like, there's a song called Diane on this album, there's Valerie Loves Me, there's another one with like like three more with girls' names on it. Okay, so, um, so maybe it's kind of touching something in like, like, uh, 15 year old me, yeah, yeah, unrequited love, yeah, yeah, like a
1: bunch of different girls at the same time,
0: sure. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, this song, uh, just the way there's the way that he just screams like valerie loves me like you just you feel it you feel that he's like like he you feel that he just loves valerie too maybe or like he's just it's so raw and emotional well
1: i love power pop
0: yeah like i can get i can get
1: so deep into it man like i think that power pop is i don't know why it's not a bigger genre
0: yeah like put put material issue on a on a playlist with some Cracker and some Matthew Sweet and again, maybe some replacements, you know, yeah. something like that, and yeah. really go to town.
2: Yeah,
1: we could. We should have a Power Pop episode. We should. Nothing but Power Pop.
0: I feel like almost every song I pull is a Power Pop song. You do like episode. Power Pop. I yeah, do. you're
1: a big Power Pop guy. Again,
0: it's easy to digest, yeah. and it's danceable, mm-hmm. and it's just, uh, I don't have to think about it too hard. Right,
1: it just feels good. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. But it can also have some, like, just like Pulp, have some, like, Deeper resonance, yeah. and yeah. it could
0: be constructed in a way that my non-musical brain couldn't even comprehend. Where other people be like, "Oh yeah, that's why this album's great." <laughs> yeah, yeah. it hits these these things that you don't even recognize it's hitting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it is. Uh, yeah. So, so from 1991, this is uh, Valerie Loves Me by Material Issue.
1: Nice. <laughs> So, while I was in high school and loved The Replacements, I was also really into The Descendants. And All was the band that they were when I was in high school. And that's what we played in our first episode. But The Descendants were a big deal to me. Like, I love Milo Ackerman. Uh, They got me into California hardcore. Um, Even though I I like them more than all the other California hardcore bands, they're more optimistic. Even though the song I chose is very cynical, it's called Suburban Home. It's off the Milo Goes to College record from 1982. And it's um, it's kind of, you know, it's funny because when I moved into this house that we're in right now, I always wanted to live in a certain way, and I never wanted to live in a suburban home. Right. And it probably had something to do with this song. Maybe not, Like, but I chose this house. Like, this was a fight between Krista and I. I was like, no, we're moving to this house. It's got a green belt. And You know, I'm now, like, aware of all the nice things about living in a suburban home. Right. But this song is like... Not wanting to live in a suburban home, and I completely identify with the singer here, but you know life happens yeah you need a you need you need a place to be
0: yeah it's it's great like um it- it was it was your your cousin dave that introduced you to all in you're States, right, right yeah yeah for sure so it's great that like i mean this album came out when you were like six or seven yeah so it's great that you could discover it when you're 16 yeah. 17 you know
1: yeah that's what was so
0: fun because i had all all
1: was touring at this time so i had seen all in concert or, or at least i was going to but like to find out that this album came out all the way back then and it was way more fresh and exciting than anything i'd heard yeah when i heard this when i heard the descendants i was like i've never heard stuff like this before it was like mind-blowing to me
0: yeah like uh when we were uh last season we had the post-punk episode yeah and i was so so many i I became like not enlightened but i discovered so much stuff that i loved yeah and again sounds fresh because it sounds retro because everything now is so polished and digital yeah that i was just like oh this is like this is the core. Like, I could get into listening to just this. Rock. I could listen to
1: post-punk only.
0: Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, and I uh, I never saw... Well, All doesn't tour anymore, right? It's All Descendants? I I think it's pretty much just The Descendants. Yeah, so I've point. seen The Descendants, but whenever they, whenever they toured for whatever album came out, like, in 96 or 97, yeah, yeah. I saw them at the Electric Ballroom, and I'm sure you were there. Yeah, I was there. That yeah. was great. Uh, so I've seen them once. And I, and again, The Descendants are a band that every time I hear them, I like them. Yeah. But I've never... like. Pulled up Descendants playlist down or anything like that. Well, I mean, I think I
1: told you this on the first. I told everybody on the first episode, but when Mike and I went to go see The Replacements and The Descendants, they were playing at some festival, and a huge rainstorm came and they had to cancel the festival. And only two bands were going to go play at the marquee, and it was The Replacements and The Descendants. That was like sixteen-year-old me. Yeah, would never even be able to imagine that was possible. And this was only a couple years ago, right? Yeah, it was just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was so cool it was amazing
0: I bet like to see these bands that
1: my two like besides the cult my two biggest bands like I was obsessed with them they played no lights there was a totally impromptu thing and they both tore the roof off the place they played like their life depended on it and it was like that place was packed with the most because those are the bands we wanted to see right everybody wanted to see them. it was so killer man It was so great that's
0: awesome like it's one of those things that you never could imagine would be possible like if someone went back in tired told you like went back in the past and told you like oh when you're when you're in your 40s you're going to be able to see these two bands
1: in a club yeah both had broken up while you know when i was the biggest fan of them right and then they get to they're gonna yeah they're gonna play the same stage in a very medium-sized venue you're gonna see them you're gonna be right up next to the stage yeah, I'd be like, yeah, right, you yeah. Know, impossible.
0: Yeah, it sounds like something that's that would never happen. <laughs> um, all right, so from night, we, we we talked about this earlier. I didn't know you pulled this, but you were playing, you were playing this album downstairs when I showed up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I just saw this album is forty one years old. That's crazy. That's crazy. So from 1981. 82. 82 this is uh, the Descendants with Suburban Home. all right so we're down to my last track and i pulled this because this was a big album that i played a lot it's another one of those bands that it's another album that none of my friends were into i love this and uh the the, the band none of my friends were into and i don't know how i got turned on to this
1: i'm getting excited codes and it's they might be they might
0: be giants oh nice and uh Again, this is this is off Apollo Eighteen from nineteen ninety two. So I didn't even know their older stuff, which is better. Oh really? Yeah, like I didn't know like the the album with Birdhouse and My Souls. So yeah. I, I didn't know that. Wow. Before I bought this album, so I don't know. I must have heard. I must have seen something on one hundred twenty minutes or something. So I just it, bought the album. Yeah. Because this isn't regarded as one of their better albums. Right. Yeah. So uh, formed in Brooklyn in eighty two, they've released twenty three studio albums. including like four the children's children's albums yeah those are great great. they are yeah uh Apollo 18 was their fourth album uh I listened to this album a ton um so the song I pulled off was dig my grave because it's fast and it's loud and it's kind of punky almost uh it's been uh described by Perry Gettleman of the Orlando Sentinel as an angry fuzzed out rocker song and uh the vocals for this track were recorded through a guitar fuzz box so they're all distorted um, so a much heavier sound because you know people think of they might be giants is almost like a like the monkeys almost like a nostalgia band or like, yeah, a, like joke a folky band. and kind of funny yeah and, clever. and this whole album is kind of heavier and this album is also infamous or famous for the last track on the album is actually 21 different songs that are each like five seconds long or ten no longer than like 10 seconds oh no kidding and it, when it's cut like so it's listed as one track on the album yeah but it actually has. It's it's however pressed. I don't know how CDs are made. Yeah. Uh, as 21 different tracks. So if you if you played this album on on uh, random, you would get these little like seven second songs nice. just popping in between regular songs. Yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, it's well known for that as being like the first album that really took advantage of the shuffle. Feature on a CD. Well, because I remember they used to have this thing where you could call a one eight hundred number, yeah,
1: and listen to a song,
2: yeah,
0: song of the day, yeah. yeah. That was before they kind of got signed. That was before they got they got big or whatever. Uh, but yeah, this is just I, I I chose this strictly because I listened to the, I listened to this album so much, and it's another one of those ones I like. None no, of my friends gave a crap about. Yeah, um, and so I just wanted to include it, even though you know there's other better they might be giant songs yeah yeah uh so yeah off, uh, apollo 18 from 1992 this is uh dig my grave all right bill you got one more song but before we get to that uh i want to just throw in some sort of uh like honorable mentions yeah uh and and the reason none of these made my list is just because we've already played them but like i listened to like a lot of the like that operation ivy album i talked about so oh, yeah. so influential yeah um luna mm-hmm. that album was so influential but we've talked about it uh Atomic dustbin i played a track already off of true veruca salt i played a track off of already dinosaur jr i've played that i think that they might come back up at some point they as should. well they should yeah. yeah uh and then i was gonna i was thinking about messing around and playing uh unbelievable or, me too yeah and i the, had that on there that was a kind of a fun little yeah, moment or yeah. or uh right here right now by jesus jones also oh, i forgot about that But one. then i thought like maybe i'll save those for if we do like a one hit our one hit wonder oh yeah like best singles of bands that never really that's a good idea never really followed up on totally um but yeah those are some of my like uh almost made the cuts what do you, did you have any of those well i had the cult and the cure of course yeah i mean i had the cure yeah. Smiths, pixies right
1: and then um I, Jane's Addiction, three mm-hmm. days. I was thinking of that one. I really got into Jane's... Jane's Addiction almost made my cut. That yeah. was a big uh, high school band. Of course, Stone Roses. Suzanne Vega, Blood Blood Makes Noise. That was in the top six for a really long time. It just got pushed out. Yeah, that's a great day. song. Like it.
0: So much of Suzanne Vega's great.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um so Furs, Nine Inch Nails, "Had Like a Hole. That was a big one when I heard it. It kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Peter Murphy and uh, Love and Rockets, uh, the Bauhaus yeah. guys. Uh, the Smiths, of course. I was going to almost The Last of the Famous International Playboys by Morrissey. That was a kind of an eye-opening song for me. i never heard a song that was like that. Yeah. Like what that song tries to do. Um So in the Seeds of Love by Tears for Fears. Oh wow. I love that tune. They still yeah. do. When it comes on, I'm excited. I yeah. want everyone to stop talking. Uh duh. duh. Um, let's see. Uh, remember Big Audio Dynamite 2? Yeah. Oh, that those guys, the lightning seeds? uh lipstick vogue by elvis costello that was one of the first songs i thought of and then it just kind of kept getting pushed down the list yeah. like i like elvis costello but he just he always gets pushed aside yeah uh, new order of course the church reptile uh, black flag nirvana and some danzig none of those guys made the cut but i will have this playlist now. i'll throw it on when we put this up i'll, I'll yeah, put my uh, entire list the ones that made it and then the almost social d i saw social d in concert they were putting out records while i was in school i wasn't just going back in time one of my favorite moments with my brother and mike mortimer uh but they they got they got booted by this band coming up
0: yeah that that uh that social distortion album uh, was huge i mean i played that a lot yeah social d social d yeah played that a lot but uh, yeah it's not some it's not a band i really go back to I feel like I've heard enough Social D in my life. Yeah. And maybe it's because they toured here every year, and they We've seen them a lot kept lot releasing concert. a lot of yeah. similar music. Yeah. Like, they definitely have a thing that they continue to do.
1: Totally. Totally. Uh, I still love them. I mean, the, I, saw, I saw them with Mike recently, and they were awesome. It was great. And I was going to play Story of My Life, which is just killer. Right. Great song.
0: But you did a last-minute Audible.
1: Last-minute oh. Audible. I mean, it was way up on the list anyways.
0: All right. But before we get to that, yeah. people should follow us on Instagram at O-Y-T-G-P-O-D, and uh, email us at OYTGpod at gmail.com. Uh, again, some, uh, give us some uh, suggestions for future episodes. Let us know what you think yeah. about the episode. Yeah, we have we have a person who's, like, leaving comments, I saw. Yeah, I don't know that guy. I don't either. Unless, unless it's somebody that's using, like, a fake name. Yeah, I like it, though. His comments are funny. Yeah, that's why I think it might be someone using a fake name that we know, because some of them are kind of shitty, but in a way that... They're, I'm supposed to know they're shitty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I
1: like the dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, whoever he is. I well, yeah. thank you. I, I, and uh, it, uh, like, he
1: gave me an idea actually, because um, he's the only guy that's commented uh, besides John. Yeah. Uh, he he said that the grunge episode was was
0: cool, but we should
1: consider playing some grunge, <laughs> right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I just think like I would like uh, that guy. I can't think of his name right now. What's his name?
0: I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Oh,
1: darn. Well, we should uh, give him a shout-out. I appreciate it. Send us some Grunge songs at work. Let's do Grunge Revisited.
0: Yeah, but don't be sending me the the single soundtrack. I I want to
1: know what what is Grunge, because I want to know. Because I thought, I'm going to be honest with you, Cody. I went back and looked at what I did, because he said that, and he's like, Every single person that listened to it said that, including my wife and my brother and
0: and my friends. Every response I've heard of that was that it wasn't grunge. Okay,
1: to me that's grunge. But I also noticed my high school years, I was in high school during the grunge era. I didn't even choose, I wasn't even close. Maybe Nirvana. I don't even consider Nirvana that grungy. I don't know what's grunge. I don't understand what it's supposed to be. I need Help me out here, folks. If it's just the single
0: soundtrack, I'm cool with that. I just I want to know. I, I can't I, I can't sit here in good faith and record an episode where we're all we're doing is playing Screaming Trees and Alice in Chains. Dude, both those were on our podcast. I know.
1: So I why know. how is that not grunge? My wife's like, no grunge. I'm like, dude, you told me I played the Alice in Chains. You told me I played the Screaming Trees. They're from Seattle. They're the bird. Nope, no, nope, that's not grunge. So is it Candlebox? Is that it? Is
0: it Smash Mouth? <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna get us. You're, yes, you're gonna get us killed. Smash Mouth's all-star. What is what is grunge? Uh, yes, yeah, so send all your uh, attention bill. Put in the header attention bill. <laughs> this is grunge. When you email us, uh, and always again, uh, go buy some physical media. Support your support your local bands. Uh, we we always talk about going to see shows. You don't have to go to the expensive shows. Oh. Just just see who's around. Support uh, the band on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going out anyways, man. Yeah. Instead of going to TGI Friday's, go to the local bar around the corner. Even though Cody music. would
1: never do that because he hates having to listen to live music while he's just trying to have a beer.
0: I only want to listen to live music <laughs> if I'm going to see live music. I don't like the spontaneous uh, live music. Maybe, maybe
1: somebody just wants to have a very, very, very mediocre margarita at TGI Friday's. They don't want to listen to live music, Cody. Oh, you ever think uh, may, of that, man?
0: It's like the equivalent of Power Pop. I'm not saying Power Pop's <laughs> mediocre, but you want something easily digestible. <laughs> Some, something you know you like, right? It's not going to challenge you too like much. Like the
1: Natty lights right here, the yeah. four of them in front of you.
0: That's right. <laughs> that was uncalled. Uh, oh,
1: well, I'm so sorry. No,
0: that's fine. I didn't mean to. That's do. fine. There's going to be four more in front of me in a half hour. <laughs> All right, Bill. What is your last song? Because you did not stick with social. D. I didn't. So this is this this
1: is uh, I'm going with the Stooges, uh, and I only heard about them in high school because. Every time I read an interview with the cult, they would always say the Stooges were a major influence. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go get, get a cassette. So I bought a cassette. I bought House. That was the one that they had at the store. Uh, you know, other, other people might prefer other albums, but House is still to this day my favorite Stooges album. I like them all. But um, I'm not even sure this is my favorite song, but it does something that I know the cult purposely ripped off. Uh, they ripped off two things from this album in the best way. So the first thing is the cover of Funhouse. I had it on cassette forever before I noticed. It's Iggy Pop sliding across something. I thought it was just like a blurred image of him. But then I was looking at it closely one time while I was listening to it. And it was small because the cassette. Um, it's his face. He's sliding across his face. So his face is sideways and his body's on top of it. So it's just his body, his face, and then a chick. So you're... Or female. <laughs> i'm turning back into high school bill so i was like oh wow what a cool image well the cult did the same thing on their sonic temple album they have uh same color actually almost a lot of the same colors of ian Asbury's in the back singing and billy duffy's playing guitar superimposed on top of him it's almost like a nod to this album cover Mm -hmm. i think but the TVI, which is the song i chose does a really cool uh false stop you think the song's gonna end there's a pause and you're like oh wow that was a great tune and then it kicks in again and it begins with Iggy pop burping so, which is so fun, but there's this like moment, and when I go to see a band in concert, if they have a song with the false stop, I love that. I could do. A, I think we should do an episode of the best songs with false stops.
0: Oh my gosh, that you would have to choose all twelve songs. Cause <laughs>
1: I, I, I think I can only think of two off the top of my head. <laughs> it could be a short episode. <laughs> <It's, it's laughs> "Love Removal Machine" by the Cult has a really great false start because uh, everybody thinks of that, that song with the uh, the Rolling Stones. They kind of take the opening riff from "Start Me Up," uh, but then they do this thing where it just kind of music stops. And then it comes back in, and it's exhilarating. Uh, The Stooges do that with Funhouse. So this is a longer song. It's the most pop song on the album, I think. Right. It's not a very poppy album at all. I mean, this is in the... I believe this is in the 60s or early 70s, uh, because I don't have the notes for it uh, off the top of my head. It's an early album. And um, Iggy Pop is just a special guy. Like, he comes across as all, like, animal. He's, like, you know, cutting glass on his face and smearing peanut butter on his body. He's wearing, like, a loincloth. But he's also a very musician's musician he knows how music works so this song works on all levels it's exhilarating it's like caveman music but it's also probably if you're into music theory it must work that way too because there's something about this song where i've heard it a million times and every time i love it so
0: i I hope you make it all the way through i have three thoughts in my head right now okay one is false stop uh song uh waiting room by fugazi Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, second one is, well, one of them is when I saw Iggy Pop on uh, Anthony Bourdain's show, he was wearing like a cardigan and a scarf. And it, it, I was like, who is this? Like, what is what is this? Um, and then uh, I can't remember the third one right now. So that's all, I guess.
1: Okay. Well, I think that uh, if you're driving your car, be careful. You might go a little faster as you listen to TDI.
0: All right, people. Keep your eyes on the mirror, and we'll see you in two weeks ba <laughs>